Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to the All Bodies on Bikes podcast. We have a super exciting episode for you today. Um, really, really excited for this conversation because it's a topic that I uh, want to learn more about. And I think yeah. the All Bodies on Bikes uh, community can uh, learn a lot as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So today we've actually got four guests with us. Uh, so this might be, it's it's a little bit exciting, a little bit scary. Um in the world of zoom who knows we think it's going to work um, it's a party podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> um so we've got four folks here from bike on and maggie's going to tell you about bike on in just a second um actually yeah let's go ahead and introduce bike on and then we'll introduce who we've got with us fantastic well bike on was founded in 1999 by scott pellet in coventry rhode island Scott was injured in an accident as a teenager and was very adamant about helping folks of every ability be able to get outside and enjoy adaptive cycling. So starting in his garage, he began one of the first online adaptive sports companies to provide mobility equipment and expert guidance through his personal experience being an adaptive athlete since the 70s. That's before Michael, I was born. Sorry to interrupt. I know, right? That's so, so cool. Yeah. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> sorry. No, you're great. Bike on became a success, which I don't think surprises me very much at all, because uh, this is something that we really need and it needed to expand quickly. So working with his wife, Lynn, his son, Dan, who we have on the call with us today, and bringing on childhood friend Chris Coyne, they developed a network of inclusive cycling nationwide, and they have grown to become one of the largest adaptive cycling companies in the world, which is amazing. Uh, Scott and his wife, Lynn, are happily retired and enjoying cycling down in Florida, but the Bike On is continuing their legacy with new owners, Dan Pellet and Chris Coyne. Coming from a small staff, Bike On has grown to more than 20 employees with reps nationwide to serve this community. And Bike On is not only their name, but they say that it is their mission as well, because everyone deserves to be able to feel the wind in their hair, see nature's beauty, and have a healthy activity they can enjoy with friends and family in an inclusive environment. And that is basically just everything All Bodies on Bikes is about. So we are so excited to have them on the podcast today. Welcome to the show. Woohoo! All right. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce. Oh, go ahead, please. Sorry. That was awesome. Uh, so I'm going to introduce who we've got in the show. Um, and if each of you just want to give us a little hello, uh, maybe tell us where you're calling in from, and then we'll dig into some questions. Um, so we've got Dan, who Maggie introduced as the co-owner, and his dad was the founder. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? It's great to be here. Doing well. Remind us where you are at in the world right now. So I grew up in Rhode Island, but I now live in the Tampa Bay area of Florida. Awesome. Um, we've also got Kyle who is the sales manager. 
Um, and we learned, we're going to get into this, but Kyle um, rides a recumbent trike because he's got knee issues. Um, so Kyle, why don't you go ahead and say hi and tell us where you're calling in from. Hi, so I'm calling, I'm right near the headquarters in Rhode Island, and I've been with BikeOn for a little bit over a decade now altogether. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, super fun every day to just meet new people and get them out riding. The My favorite part is finding somebody that thinks they can't ride a bike and then getting them mm -hmm. on a bike and seeing that big smile. So we're naturally, uh, our missions are the same as all bodies on bikes, and yeah. uh, we really enjoy what we do. <laughs> Yeah, when we got the email from you, I was like, Maggie, we need to talk to these people. <laughs> we got to get in touch. <laughs> so thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, also joining us today, we've got Caitlin, who is currently a marketing intern, but it sounds like maybe during this podcast, she just got offered a full-time job. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, <laughs> but welcome to the show, no, Caitlin. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've been here since May of last year. I was a summer intern and then they asked me, they were like, can you please stay? And then I was like, of course. And then it was again like last month they were like can you please stay full-time and then of course it's like a yes of course because <laughs> how can you not love a company like this because we go out and especially last summer we did a ton of awesome events where you got to see like a ton of kids get on bikes where they never thought they would be on a bike again and their parents are like wait you're saying that my kid was on a bike for like two hours today and I'm like yeah insane I know <laughs> so it's been super fun and exciting so right now I'm currently working on all the social media for my um for bike on we're working on updating the website right now and a ton of other awesome marketing things. So super fun stuff. Awesome. Thanks and for I'm calling us. in from the uh, headquarters right here with all the bikes around me that I can show later the on bikes. in the call. Yeah. And we will definitely have some photos um, linked to this um, because their showroom is just phenomenal. I think, mm -hmm. you know, Caitlin's standing in the middle of maybe 30 or 40 different styles of adaptive bicycles. So many. Yeah, and we got wheelchairs over here as well, too. Awesome. Um, and then finally joining us, we've got Eric, who is a sales associate with BikeOn. Um, and he is also living with a spinal cord injury um, and rides an adaptive bicycle. So thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks for having us. I saw an Instagram post about your podcast and thought, same as you did, I guess, that we uh, had pretty similar um, missions. And glad you guys are having us on. I'm in in North Conway, New Hampshire, in the White Mountains right now. Um, I'm, has, has has spring come to New Hampshire uh, yet? Time is it? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, little chilly. There's still some snow banks out there. So I'll stick with Zwift for another week or two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, and I, I want to come back to that because I think in my brain, I've never even thought of Zwift as a tool for adaptive cyclists, but definitely want to chat about how that works and is it different or can we all ride together and all those things. But let's start out with chatting about BikeOn. Um, so maybe this question's for Dan, um, maybe who knows who else wants to answer, um, but tell us about BikeOn. You know, I know your father started it, um, but tell us more about that and tell us about your team today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, our company was started in 1999. Um, my father was um, has been living with spinal cord injury as a wheelchair user um, for 55 around years now. Um, so that's all I've known all my life. He, he's been a wheelchair user my whole life. Um, he did some wheelchair sports when I was a kid. Um, he did some weightlifting. Uh, he was very involved with wheelchair basketball. And um, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but he does like to hold um, the title that he won 
a New England uh, curb jumping competition in uh, the late 80s. So that was always, um, I never really got to see the award, but I, I always heard about that. So now he was very, uh, very involved in sports and um, had a lot of companions that he met through adaptive recreation and sports. Um, I loved basketball growing up. It was something that we played together. Uh, but around, you know, eight or nine years old, I started beating him one-on-one, -on -one, you know, mm. pretty easily. Uh, but he didn't let that bother him. Um, <laughs> but around that same time, um, he got his first hand cycle. Um, and that really changed everything for our family. You know, um, me and my mom immediately got uh, nice road bikes that we could all um, ride together on. And it was something that we could all do in unison. You know, there was really no boundaries. We would go out to the bike path. We would ride um, 20 miles. I probably wanted to turn around after 10, uh, being, you know, a, a little boy. Um, but it was a game changer for us as a family. And um, we, we were working with some nonprofits um, in, the, in the late 90s. My dad found um, a ways to raise money for um, some local kids and, and get them their first hand cycle. And um, being the entrepreneur that he was, um, the internet was kind of just starting. Um, well, not just starting, but, you know. Um, just kind of getting um, going. E-commerce yeah. yeah. coming around. So um, he said, you know what, I'm just going to see what happens. And um, he started a, a website selling a couple of hand cycles. And our first sale was um, overseas. And he he said, oh, my God, this is this is something here. You know, people are finding me from overseas. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential. Um, so 24 years later, um, our business is still, um, you know, our, it, it revolves around customer service, just like it did with it from day one. Um, like you said earlier, we have 22 people on our team. Um, over half of those people are living with uh, a disability or mobility impairment. Um, and we're very hands-on with our, our customers. You know, we, we kind of almost don't like using that word customers, uh, because it really turns into a, um, very friendly relationship. Um, in fact, um, a recent person that joined our team, uh, Alicia Dana, she is a, a world-class para-athlete, hand cyclist, and Olympian. Um, we sold her her first hand cycle in 1999 or maybe 2000, somewhere around then. Um, in fact, she was like invoice number five. Wow. Um, and 20 plus years later, she um, joined our team as a sales associate. So we have a, a lot of experience out in the fields. And um, what we're all about is, is really doing demo days, um, traveling around to different adaptive sports um, organizations and, and veterans hospitals and stuff like that mm -hmm. and getting people's butts on bikes um, and, and finding, you know, the safest product that we offer um, that's going to suit their needs. And uh, th that's really, you know, the core of our business. Um, we have, you know, expanded a lot over the last few years, bringing new people onto the team. Um, but at the root of it, they are all, um, you know, right up right up our alley um, as far as their spirit and enthusiasm um, for adaptive sports and recreation. That's so cool. And, you know, you yeah. mentioned that it is kind of a high touch thing. I imagine, you know, when you're working with folks to get them onto a bicycle, um, 
that's already like an intensive thing, but add in, you know, certain adaptations or needs. And I mm -hmm. imagined it's, it's not a quick process necessarily to, to find the bike of your dreams. You know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different challenge, um, you know, a different ability level. Um, and I think it's just kind of um, assessing, you, you know, having communication um, and making sure that, you know, that product is safe for them to use. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. So if a new customer comes to you or, you know, I, I imagine you've got some sort of a contact us form on the website and they say, I want an adaptive bicycle. How do you, you know, figure out what kind of bike they need to be on? What kind of questions do you ask? Like, how do I know if I'm going to be on a recumbent bike or a hand cycle, or I don't even know what the other options are. Walk us through that yeah. process. I think, uh, I think Kyle can answer that one uh, pretty well. Yeah. So it all starts off with like an initial conversation, um, just asking about basics, like the, if it's a spinal cord injury, what their level is and finding out um, if they have good dexterity in their hands because uh, based off of that, then we have different shifting options and different braking options. Um, Scott actually developed a brake for, it was one of the first ones where you can, for quadriplegics, where you can pedal backwards to stop. So you can convert pretty much any bike to where you can have your gloves and you can be strapped in and just pedal backwards to stop. So um, that's like one of our claims to fame. Um, and we also combine it with uh, like DI2 shifting. We were kind of on the forefront of DI2 where we actually have a computer called a pro shift that you can log into it where somebody it'll automatically shift for you by either your cadence or your heart rate. And, wow. Oh, wow. Um, and we did that like probably about six years ago. Um, so we really, as soon as like DI2 came out, we, we hopped on it and um, we're just, we go over like where the customer intends to ride, uh, what their goals are. Um, and then also funding is, is the big, um, thing that we have to go over with them to see if, um, they're able to fund the bike themselves, or if there's an organization that'll be able to help with them. But, uh, what I like to do is, is hop on a video call now. And if that's one positive thing that came out of the pandemic, we weren't really doing video calls before. And now I do probably about six or eight, uh, showroom appointments virtually a week. And it's cool. I'll talk to somebody in Israel or somebody in, uh, California and uh, from all over and I'm able to kind of help them show them the bikes and just see like let them know show them the way that you can do this that's so cool I remember the first time we chatted and you were kind of walking us through the different models I think my jaw was just like I had no idea there were so many options out there oh yeah they're endless <laughs> <laughs> and you know the thing that we really try to keep in mind is oftentimes this is someone's first experience you know, riding this type of bike, you know, maybe a week ago, they didn't think that riding a bicycle was a reality for them. Um, so you, you don't want it to be a stinky experience. You want it to be as much fun as possible. Yeah. Uh, so that's why, you know, we tried to have a wide range of options and adaptations, like Kyle said. Um, and we're always kind of coming up on the fly. You know, Kyle's been with us for, for 12 years. Um, and it's amazing how far the um, equipment has come. You know, when my dad first started riding, you kind of jerry-rig a lot of things, you know, <laughs> um, you made it work. Uh, but now with feedback from manufacturers, um, we have a great relationship with some of our manufacturers um, and they're always coming out with constant 
um, adaptations um, and and different setups that will will really help you know the the end user um, just have a, a great and kind of fluid experience. Um, one of our favorite bikes is Madeline. Um, they we've been working with them for about seven years. Um, they are handmade hand cycles in Italy, um, and they have uh, a really great setup. Uh, Kyle, did you wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the great thing about the Madeline is it's custom built completely around you. So anything from the frame, the crank width, um, your functionality of the bike, they actually do uh, DI2 chin shifting. So you shift with your chin left or right here, and you either use a coaster brake or elbow braking. So really like any adaptation, any uh, anybody that wants to get on a hand cycle, we can put them on. And their transfer height is a little bit higher than a lot of the other models and brands. Uh, so it's super easy to get in and out of. And, and sorry, um, just going back to when we, we say transfer height, you mean transferring from a wheelchair or, you know, whatever their, their day-to-day -day thing is into the bicycle, right? Yes. Yeah, so from transferring either from a wheelchair or if somebody is in crutches just directly from standing up to the ground. Sure. Um, and then we have different adaptations available too. Like we do a modified lift seat that's wheelchair height where they can actually just side transfer and then it lowers them all the way into the bike. Oh, wow. Dang, that is so cool. I would, yeah, I would say, I would love to hear from Eric um, who I know has some experience with this. Talk to us about the, your favorite yeah. bikes. So, you know, road bikes have gotten really low to the ground road hand cycles and like a recumbent, almost like a luge sled position. So, um, can be a little intimidating to think of how am I going to get out of this thing. Uh, so that's what Kyle's talking about getting. It's great when you're on a road, but getting in and out of a chair can be a bit intimidating. I, um, when I first got the lower lower one, lower style bike, I got a milk crate to hop onto, which is like halfway between the bike seat. Mm. There. So um, it's a little bit of practice. I could do it now without the milk crate, but um, it can be intimidating, I guess, to think about how am I going to get off on or off of this thing? But um, we've got the lift seats and um, I don't know, I always figured out ways to, to make it work. But Eric in, in recent years has become an awesome hand cyclist. Uh, he trains on the Kankamancus Mountain um, in Conway in uh, New Hampshire. And it is just a brutal climb up. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, Eric, when did you get your newest bike from KBF? Uh, in 2020. 2020. And yeah, I got that, like, really super recumbent style. Before that, I had ridden more upright styles, um, and it was a little bit, I was a little bit hesitant, I guess, to go to the super recumbent style because of the transfers and thought it would be too low. But once I got on it, I couldn't believe how comfortable and easy it is being that reclined is a lot more aerodynamic. So it takes a lot mm. less energy or you still put the same energy, same power out, but you just go faster. So, sure. Um, what, was, yeah. what was the longest climb last year? Um, well, I, I rode the kink over and back one day. I did both. I did it twice. It's about 2000 feet of climbing from, from my house uh, up. Um, but one of the things that made that really possible is the, the 50 tooth cassettes that they've started putting on mountain bikes almost standard now I, I put one on last year and it makes climbing i can climb more and i can climb steeper terrain so it opened up a lot more terrain a lot more um places i can go whereas on the older cassettes 
uh, with the hand cycle. So the drive wheel being out front in particular, there's a point where physics doesn't let you go uphill anymore, I guess. You, know, you, you just lose traction. But with the <laughs> bigger cassette, it, um, it makes the application of power smoother and you I can climb much deeper terrain um, without a whole lot more effort and do it more and more. So uh, it definitely comes in handy in the mountains here and um, yeah, opens up a lot more options. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I was just looking at your website and, you know, when we think about adaptive bicycles, I don't think a lot of us realize how many options there truly are. Um, there's hand cycles, which we were just talking about. There's recumbent bikes, um, adaptive cycles, which I would love to get into the difference with these, you know, talking about the Van Ram and freedom concepts yeah. and all those. Um, but then there's also like racing wheelchairs and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I guess talk to us about the differences, you know, there's tricycles, there's, um, there's the bowhead that, um, We've seen a couple like elite athletes use um, the Van Ram. Um, I had a friend just buy or they got funding for one of those for one of their kiddos. Um, okay. Talk to us about the differences there and um, what it allows folks with different levels of mobility to do. Yeah, sure. Um, really, there's a bike for everybody. Um, we, we can get 99.9999% of people enjoying the activity of cycling one way or another you know when they're whether they're actively pedaling or you know kind of just going along for the ride or maybe a combination of both um like we said a little bit in the on the last topic um uh, the manufacturers are are really pushing the standard on on what is out there um so those van ram bikes that that you mentioned are really great um we've been working with them um, for about seven years now as well. Um, and Can you they, give us like a, kind of a visual of what is special about that bike or just talk to us about what's special about that one? Yeah, Maybe go around and show yeah. some. Caitlin has to take off in a little while, but if we can do a walkthrough of the showroom. Yeah. Um, Caitlin, do you want to go by? Might be easier to visualize it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm right by some of the van rooms actually right now. Yeah, and we'll, we'll kind of talk listeners through it because it is, a, it is a podcast. We don't have much of a yeah. video component to it. Uh, but however we can talk folks through this, I think will be helpful. I'm, I'm going to sing a song um, of an audio representation of each of the bikes that we're getting ready to show. Yes. Yeah, that'll be a great, great version. Um, so, so this, this one right is, here, oh, go ahead, get one. You, whoever wants to go and talk about it, that's fine. Oh, I mean, I will just. Because Caitlin shows it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I'll so go right ahead. Go. And this is my favorite bike that we sell almost because almost anybody can ride it. It's a side-by-side -side tandem and you can actually be an active participant and ride or they have a special footboard where you can just go along for the ride. So it just opens up the whole world to almost anybody that wants a bike. And they actually did a study in with the Harvard Chan School of Medicine about cycling with the effects of Alzheimer's. And they found that some folks that rode this towards the end of the six month study, got some of their cognitive ability back. Wow. Uh, social aspect of being next to each other. And it just fills a role for like anyone from like a, a kid that might be on the spectrum that wants to ride with his mom or dad or her mom or dad, they can actually um, be right next to each other instead of being in the back where there's not really any participation and socialization. And um, yeah. yeah, there's, because the frames centralized, there's no step over in the frame. So it's very easy for anybody to get in and off of it. And behind that, that's the Velo Plus. So that is the wheelchair transporter bike. That's another fun one where it actually acts as a drawbridge oh, cool. where you can roll your uh, 
roll the wheelchair down and you can put five different participants or more in one session on there because they use their own wheelchair. So you cut down on the transfer time. So for VAs, special needs schools, it works really well um, just to get folks out riding. And um, to give to give podcast listeners an idea of yeah. what we're looking at, uh, Maggie, do you want to describe it? Do you want me to try and describe it? This is the first time ever seeing one of these. So it's kind of first, fun. This is my new favorite game is trying to describe things to people over without them being able to see it. Um, but basically what we're looking at is a bike with like, I'm thinking of a cargo bike, but instead of a basket on the front, you've got like a platform with a ramp on it. So you can get the wheelchair right up on there. And then you've got somebody's like sitting right behind them um, driving the bike. Did I describe that well? I think I so. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Do I have a this Kyle? I'm sorry. Is that an e-bike? It is an e-bike. Yeah, all van ramps yeah. come with either power assist or without. Generally, because they are larger and you're pedaling for two, we always sell with the power assist. Um, yeah. Just makes it easier for anybody to hop on and and pilot the bike. Yeah, electric bikes is a bit of big game changer. I think for absolutely. Like the big cassettes and the DI2 shifting, it just opens up a lot more terrain and opportunities. Definitely. Uh, Caitlin, can you show us a couple more bikes since we're in the showroom right now? We'll, okay. we'll play the game of trying to explain them. <laughs> a lot of hand cycles right here. Um, I was showing this one earlier, which actually might be cooler to show, which is the Madeline X Trail. If Kyle wants to talk about this bad boy. Yeah, this is a beautiful, like all road, uh, all trail bike, rear suspension. It's um, yeah. got a higher up seating position and it's more upright to easily get in and out of it. And for somebody with a lot of trunk power, it's very easy to pedal, very comfortable. Um, it has a 750 watt motor, so it's really powerful. Okay. And you can get up and down any of the trikes. We actually took a similar one to the, um, the Bentonville uh, ride and people loved it. It was, I, what's that playground called? I know that, isn't that near you folks? Um, yes, I live in Bentonville. Um, maybe Kohler. I mean, honestly, there's a million different bike playgrounds around here, so I wouldn't uh, be surprised yeah, if they were ripping all over town. Yeah, we took that to Kohler, and it was it was incredible, um, and it was like really fun to just see folks just rip it up and get out of it. I was on my recumbent trike that's uh, full suspension, and uh, just kind of following them on the riding. And the rocky parts got kind of difficult, but it was really great once you get around the big corners and um just what the what you folks have done out there to make it more it's like 95 percent accessible now they say wow uh, and yeah we worked with uh somebody from ozark adaptive out there who actually showed us the trail and uh it's really cool that it's the trails are just designed for everybody whereas some of the older designs they have a regular trail and then an adaptive trail separately mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this one is kind of getting into what they're starting to do, the universal trail design. So mm -hmm. there's no separate trail. There's no separate parking lot. It's just everybody can ride it, which yeah. is what we love. <laughs> Fantastic. I had the opportunity last summer to go to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, and to a women's mountain bike festival out there. And there was a big contingent of adaptive riders. And so we got to go on a group ride and learn, you know, what it's like, I, I forget what they call it, like the spotter, basically just somebody riding directly behind. So in case there is like an off-camber section um, to be there. So that way this person doesn't go tumbling down the mountain. Um, oh yeah. It was probably Catalyst Sports that was out there. It was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they are an incredible organization. Um, we just found out about them like about two years ago. 
and uh, we actually did the Knoxville AMTB ride uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some beautiful trails out there too. Uh, that that's what I do. I'm I'm on the road most of the time, and I love just like traveling and going to different places. And uh, I feel like I work for a Publishers Clearinghouse sometimes because I I get to deliver and show up a bike and just see the smiles on their faces. Oh yeah. Well, let's talk uh, about that a little bit because um, these these bikes are not cheap, and that's one of the first questions that you have on your website is about funding. Um, and so for a lot of these folks, you know, who maybe have a spinal cord injury or um, a kiddo with some needs. How does funding work? Um, you mentioned some organizations. Talk to us about that. So we work a lot with the Kelly Brush Foundation is by far the biggest spinal cord injury organization. They're right up in Vermont and we're really close with them. Uh, we've had a relationship with them for over a decade now. And uh, basically, if you have a spinal cord injury, they'll do everything they can to help fund a bike for you. Um, but it's it's difficult because they're not like the $300 beach cruisers, you know, they are, <laughs> they go into the thousands of dollars. And once you get the adaptations like wireless shifting or DI2, you know, it, it can get really costly. So Kelly Brush is a really good one. There's also uh, Challenge Athletes. And then there's um, a lot of kids organizations. Like we work with the Rhode Island Shriners Trust locally. And uh, also with Make-A-Wish, uh, that's my favorite because I actually... <laughs> like I delivered one to the Make-A-Wish castle in New Jersey and they actually had like Mickey Mouse was there for the kid and they had uh, like an entire party for them so that one was like really fun and the girl spoke through her iPad so she like was just like go 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 and they were doing the ride and it was supposed to be like a you know like an hour uh, drop off and it turned into like three hours because she just wouldn't get off of it so but I was having so much fun I was like and finally her dad's like Kyle has a five-hour drive home we have to let him go now so things like that are just like you know warm my heart and just make me love doing what I do <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot going on and you guys are really really good at figuring out a bike that will work for nearly anybody um, but I would love to hear, you know, from whoever on the call um, about maybe some opportunities that are going unmet in the adaptive cycling world yeah. or things that could continue to be improved upon. Um, where do you see the need for further improvement? I think um, one thing that I would love to see a push for is rideshare programs in major cities having more adaptive cycles. Mm-hmm. Um I think there are so many people out there, whether they're living there locally or could travel to a city, um, knowing that these bikes were available um, and, and it would totally be a, a game changer. Um, they are expensive products. Um, not everyone can afford them. Um, but, you, you know, I think a lot of um, funding dollars um, could be spent on adaptive cycles and um, seeing those used in in the community in a large city is, I think, so rewarding um, for everyone on so many levels. You know, for those people that are funding um, that that money, whether it's you know um, whoever it, it may be, seeing those actual bikes out in the wild, the people on them smiling, um, it, it's a very wonderful thing. Uh, we've been working with uh, Johnson Wales uh, University. Caitlin is actually uh, about to graduate from there as well. And they're starting an ad- adaptive program 
Super cool. Uh, Providence campus. And we are hoping that um, the new mayor um, does have some interest in helping. Um, I would, I, I spent a lot of time in my late 20s riding around the, the city of Providence. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome um, bike friendly city, uh, but there's not much going on uh, for adaptive uh, riders. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, you know, seeing, seeing, 20 plus years of the positivity that adaptive cycling can bring um, to not only that end user, but everyone surrounding them and that are involved in their lives. I just think it's a no brainer. You know, many cities that currently have an adaptive fleet as part of their ride sharing. So I know that the city of Chicago are preparing to buy a couple Fundicos um, or, or some tandem style bikes. Awesome. So I think that's big. I mean, Chicago is a major, major city. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully they will be able to shine light on, on that. Um, it, it looks like Kyle's raising his hand, so he might know of some too. Oh, so yeah, there's also in Scranton, there's called the Lackawanna Heritage Valley. And it's like exactly what we're looking to do in every city because it has four hand cycles, four recumbent trikes, and a side-by-side tandem that anybody can go it's it's right on their greenway trail and you can rent it um for anybody and it's it's great because uh getting somebody over the phone or in the video to like just to say you can ride this it's still difficult because um that shadow of the doubt especially when you're spending so much money for a bike it's just difficult to help uh get over that hurdle but with programs like that somebody can get on a recumbent or get on a hand cycle a side-by-side tandem and just kind of get introduced to the sport, fall in love with it, and then uh, call us to get their bike of their dreams. <laughs> and what was the name of that one? We'll, we'll definitely put a link to it in the show notes. It's called the Lackawanna Heritage Valley. Okay. I might have to have you spell that out for me, but we can do that <laughs> after the show. <laughs> um, I, I might be wrong, but I think Portland, Oregon also has um, some adaptive bikes as part of their um, bike town bike share. Ironically, I think Portland, Maine might too. Port- this, the yeah, Portland can, I, can I talk about the Portland Wheelers? Yeah, so Portland Wheelers has, there's a similar bike that is actually, instead of rolling your own wheelchair onto it, the front of the bike is a wheelchair. And that's great because the front is actually no wider than an everyday chair. So for families, they can ride somewhere like downtown Portland or um, really anywhere and lock the back up just like a regular bike, but use the front as a push wheelchair. So, um, so for individuals and families is great. And for Portland wheelers is great. They have about 10 of our bikes up there and every Every day they go to a different assisted living facility and just get seniors out riding and they have super fun. They decorate all their bikes, uh, all different colors. They have a name for each one of their bikes, which I can't recall what they name them, but uh, they just love like getting elderly out riding. And it's, uh, it's one of the, one of the oldest programs that we we've worked with and they're really great. (laughs) Wow. I'm just looking at their website now. And in 2022, they did 2,389 rides. And yeah. just the photos on this main page are honestly bringing tears to my eyes, um, <laughs> seeing people smiling and the joy that we know that bikes bring to all of us, um, yeah. really bringing it to older folks and a different audience. This is just like making 
my heart sing. I am so <laughs> grateful you're sharing all this with us. And yes. we in turn get to share it with our audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, we love her. <laughs> it, it truly is um, my dream job. And I think everyone else's uh, dream job on the call. You know, I, I realized I wasn't going to be in the NBA very early on in my life. Uh, but what I, I couldn't pick a better thing to do uh, because every single day there is a new story, a new face, a new smile, and it's all through the power of cycling. Uh, so it's th there's nothing better than that, in my opinion. Absolutely. We love that about bikes. <laughs> I would sure. love to hear how other folks got into the world of adaptive cycling, um, oh. you know, especially you, Caitlin, coming from the, the university. Um, and how did everybody get involved with it? Yeah, I mean, I got insanely lucky coming here. Um, I was just looking for internships for the summer and I just, of course, applied to everywhere. And I just stumbled upon the bike on uh, listing that had only been up for like a couple days, applied and immediately um, Vanessa reached out to me and was like, hey, like, let's set up an interview. And immediately we both clicked. Um, both of us like love carbs, Taylor Swift, and we're both not like cyclists either, but like we absolutely love like this whole world that um, you guys have built here where you're just like getting people on bikes and it's been really, really fun. And I've been extremely lucky to be here and I'm so happy because it's been like a, everyone's like asking me at school. They're like, oh, like what's your internship? And I'm like, so it's called Bike On and we do adaptive bikes and it's really cool. And like, definitely look into it because like, they're so cool. If you know anyone who can like use an adaptive bike, reach us, like, like find us because there's so much that we can do and it's super duper cool. That's so cool. I love it. It's kind of funny. Um, our podcast guest last week, Meg Fisher is a paracyclist, um, actually a Paralympian. And she, I think told us 10% of the world lives with some sort of mobility impairment. Um, so I think a lot more folks than we realized could actually be benefiting from, um, an adaptive bicycle. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, Kyle? How did you get involved? So, uh, bike on, it's really like a family company. I've been friends with Dan since probably we were like 10 and then Chris, the co-owner, um, this around the same time. And we grew up together and I spent, you know, my, in high school, I saw Scott's bikes in the garage. Like that's where he was working out of at the time and just like loved the idea of like helping people. And, um, Chris, our co-owner was like their first full-time mechanic employee. And he started building the bikes in the garage and helped it expand. And, uh, Vanessa, his wife is our marketing manager. So we're a pretty close knit team. <laughs> and, um, they like, I, uh, I started just like part-time just to, like save money for vacation. And I was a bartender for about 14 years and just merged into it and just fell in love with it. I've been doing it full-time for ever since then. And, uh, I love going to different VAs and just like, actually the rides are what, what drives me <laughs> and, and the customer. You, you, you mentioned this in our like pre-talk when we were getting everything ready, but you actually uh, use a recumbent trike as well, right? For some knee issues. I do. Yeah. I have knees and like slight balance issues and I can still ride an upright bike, but only a couple miles to where I'll get in severe pain. And the recumbent probably about seven years ago, I started rec riding recumbents pretty much full time. And uh, it just opened up the world to where 
I've done like century rides. Um, the best buddies challenge is like my favorite one. Like it goes from Cape Cod to Boston and, uh, you know, like the hundred miles in the day, you're not going quite as fast as you are on a two wheel bike, but you can survive. It's just, it's right. Like riding on a, a couch. It's just so comfortable. And, um, it just allowed me to like get out there much more often than I would be able to. Maggie, I think we need to check out this best buddies challenge. Uh, yes, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Eric, let's hear your story. Um, I had been a downhill mountain bike racer back in the nineties and was living in Vermont working in construction, riding my bike every day I could in the woods. Uh, but January 2000, I crashed my Jeep knowing myself, I'm sure I didn't have a seatbelt on and um, broke my back at T7 vertebrae level. So about below my ribcage. And um, the rehab hospital I ended up in Boston was great with um, adaptive sports across the board. Um, I probably heard about bike on then it's just as they were getting started. Um, initially, I started pushing racing chairs in five, 10 Ks, marathons up and down the East Coast. Um, while I was at UMass Lowell, uh, when I moved up here to the mountains, because um, I was also learning to monoski, which is a whole nother um, skiing, sitting down with the spider cord is a whole nother, another show probably. But um, yeah, when I moved to the mountains, it's a lot tougher to push those racing chairs in the mountains. There's no gearing on them. It's just like brute force. <laughs> so that's when I kind of made the switch to a hand cycle. Uh, having that gearing lets me ride just about anywhere here uh, in the White Mountains. So uh, I made that switch, like I said, about 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. And um, I've been riding more recently, I guess more serious last, you know, four or five years. But um, yeah, since I moved to the mountains, I've definitely gone back to the bike. Very cool. Thank you everybody for sharing. And Dan, we know that your dad was, it was instrumental. Anything else you want to add on that? We don't want to forget you. Um, no, you know, I, I think I've been a part of the company since day one. Um, it, it really has changed everything for me and my family. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm completely 100% in on um, adaptive sports. Um, I wanted to go back to Eric. Um, he was a KBF grant recipient, um, which is that fund um, for spinal cord injury uh, athletes to get bikes that Kyle mentioned before. And I think Kelly he Brush Foundation. Yes, Kelly Brush. Awesome. And, uh, you're using uh, using interior slang. I'm the teacher. That that was too uh, internal, huh? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think Eric got his first two hand cycles from us. Um, well, the first, my only new one, I guess, the first couple ones I had, I got from friends, second hand. Oh, okay. But the, yeah, in two, 2000, I got a new one from you guys. Um, in addition, I guess, 2019, I ended up with a pretty bad pressure sore on my tailbone, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of common for anyone with spinal cord injuries or, you know, um, sense, lack of sensation in places in your body. My theory is I got it from riding my upright bike too long and was like sitting on my butt without mm. for too long as like more older upright bike I would go out and ride for four or five hours um, in the mountains and got this pressure sore that got infected and, and listened to my wife and the doctors I was on my deathbed I was I got, spent three weeks at Maine Medical Center in Portland Maine that summer trying to get this thing healed up and so when it did I um 
yeah, I said, well, I got to get a different kind of bike. <laughs> Take some hair off my tailbone. And the more recumbent style, like Kyle said, like recumbent foot power bike, it's like laying on the couch with the pedals. For me, it's in front of me, you know, in front of my chest. So Kyle would be at his feet, but uh, it's super comfortable and, and disperses any kind of pressure throughout your whole body. And it's not in any one point, I guess. So it hopefully will keep me from getting... Uh, any more skin issues like that. But yeah. uh, I guess one thing I learned after you know spending a couple of weeks at a time in bed is that you lose a lot, how much upper body strength I lost and needed going forward. I mean, I always knew I needed to be strong since my spinal cord injury, but um, so, but I could value it more maybe, I guess now that I'm 20 years into it, that uh, as I get older, I'm gonna need to be stronger <laughs> now that I'm, 40 versus 20 when I first got injured. So um, that's why yeah, I've been taking biking a little more serious these last couple of years to maintain reasonable fitness, I guess, <laughs> and, uh, and be able to you know, move around throughout the normal day and be on the bike as I get older. <laughs> and Eric is also one of our leaders for our hand cycle Zwift group ride. Tell uh, us more about that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So we just started, um, my wife asked me how many I died. I don't know, we started six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. I've lost track. But um, um, yeah, I was able to pick up a, a Wahoo Kicker smart trainer. And um, on Wednesdays, typically, we have been, I've been hosting asbikeon.com on Swift, uh, a group ride for whoever wants to join us. We have some on hand cycles, some on two-wheel bikes. Um, Zwift. I think was the first of the metaverse, I guess, uh, cycling platforms to develop a hand cycle avatar. So there's actually, that's an option when you're picking your bike in your garage is to pick a hand cycle. So um, we, yeah, we've been hosting Wednesday night rides. Um, this week, it, I've got it scheduled for tomorrow because I'm shooting a story with a local TV station on Wednesday this week. But normally it'd be Wednesdays around five um, that we, I don't know, I just kind of pick a, Pick a route at random. We've been doing an hour, but you can pop in, pop out. Um, we've had folks from British Columbia and I'm in New Hampshire, and uh, I think someone from the factory, from the warehouse there joined us one week. So um, we're awesome. trying to get that. We will um, add, include a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So if folks want to join, is there anything special they need to do or just join in and join the 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 party well, we, we have some upload instructions on our instagram on how to connect your hand cycle to the kicker and then get going um, awesome so, uh, we also have um facebook events each week i post one that will like just link you to exactly the steps of how to join and then also like a link to the instagram reel that we made a few weeks back of like exactly how to set up your own account and then set up your own swift ride right it's super cool very yeah, cool backwards because the drive wheels in front so you gotta do everything kind of oh. in reverse <laughs> but um but it's pretty simple and straightforward with the smart with a wheel on trainer like that with the direct drive ones it gets a little more complicated but um it's still possible and then just look for python.com on just search for us on zwift uh i'm not sure if there's a better way to find us or not but We'll, we'll, we'll include a link to it in the bio, so or in, in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've talked about everyday cycling. We're talking about virtual cycling. Um, like event specific. Are there any 
any races that are exceptionally adaptive cycling friendly, if there aren't, how can we encourage race directors to be more adaptive cycling friendly? I think that from what I've been hearing, gravel organizers have been been really good. Like effort, gra- steam steamboat gravel. Yeah, um, there's one in Kansas last year. I don't know if it was Unbound or what it was, but um, I believe USA Cycling has just announced the gravel national championship and is including para divisions. So, um, awesome. then I I know this year for the first time there's a para cycling World Cup in Alabama, um, which seems like a strange place for but. In the adaptive cycling world, it's not that strange, but um, for right. general cycling, it might be. But there is a World Cup tour. There's the Paralympics. Um, and it, it, like out in California, there's a few more. Redlands and Sea Otter might have paracycling divisions. I'm not uh, 100% sure on them. But um, hand cycles and racing chairs, it's kind of, we kind of occupy a gray area in general events, I guess, because some, some, Foot races will include hand cyclists um, too. So um, that's what I'm going to be in the Boston Marathon in three weeks, I think. Um, a few of our other sales folks will be too. Um, will you be so, racing? Yep. Oh my goodness. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. I I qualified last spring at the Burlington, Vermont Marathon. Um, we had a customer that was part of the trip to Burlington was to check in with a customer and I decided to do it on the same weekend as their race because I could. So um, I qualified last year, but missed the registration deadline. I thought I'd have like a, a week or two or three and then I went to register and it was too late. So um, the Challenge Athletes Foundation though in their newsletter a couple of weeks ago mentioned that they had been giving given an entry for a athlete from the greater Boston area with a qualifying time. And I, I said, well, if Northern New Hampshire is greater Boston, um, <laughs> I'm interested in it. <laughs> we can do that. So um, it's kind of a last minute thing. Um, the distance isn't, for me, isn't a big issue. It's to be like the intensity, I guess. And I haven't really been outside on my bike in six months. So that might be the first day I get outside. We'll have to see what the weather does the next few weeks. But um, I know a few of our other sales folks are going to be in Boston and um, yeah, Vanessa. the Boston Marathon is is a well established um, hand cycle race, um, so they'll, they'll be going fast. We have, um, I think, five team members from our sales staff and um, directors board on there. Um, I think Steve this year said he wanted to finish like in an hour and fifteen, so he, he, they're going to be they're going to be flying. Wow! Uh, and we'll we'll be there in our. Uh, our bike on gear, uh, supporting the whole crew and cheering everyone on. We're really excited. But we will be supporting you guys from afar yeah. for sure on that. I just love how casually Eric was just like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, the Boston marathon. I'm just going to be doing that. Cause you know, <laughs> just might as well. I, I feel like he's, he's scaring some of our sales, other sales reps that have been riding it for years. They're like, I can't believe how, how many Watts that Eric has been I, producing because that, that's a big thing. Like, they're all counting your watts and your your measure like they all you I'm know doubt, uh, have a tough time catching up with you. Yeah. <laughs> doubting the accuracy of of that. I've got to figure out what's been going on with the Swift thing in my some days it's uh like super high and I think, oh of course I'm super strong. And then it goes to like 50 and I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, um so I have the same issue where I feel like I'm like riding incredibly hard and Swift's like great job 75 watts and I'm like oh no 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 no. that was like 
a 400 watt effort. I mean, realistically, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about, but yeah, uh, I also have the same issue. <laughs> yeah, off the Bluetooth on my phone completely and see if that gives me like steadier numbers. Because the other yesterday I was did like a three hour ride with another hand cyclist, maybe even a few hand cyclists, but the first hour I was doing like 200 watts and then we took a quick break and all of a sudden I couldn't get above 60. So um, who knows? Something's going on. <laughs> Hopefully I'm right in the middle. I'd be happy if I really reality was right in the middle, but um, still. What, whatever the highest rating is, is the one to go with. So just exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap things up a little bit differently. We normally ask folks um, a couple of specific questions, um, but I want to switch it up this week since we do have multiple guests. And I would love to talk about, um, you know, what is something that you wish mo more folks knew about either adaptive cycling, adaptive riding, hand cycling? Um, I would love to hear, you know, just real quickly from each of you, what's something you wish more folks knew about? Well, I, I think that I just wish more folks were open to the idea of having everybody be able onto the bike path because we do still run mm -hmm. into some issues where, you know, get you, I ride up with uh, Spalding Rehab up in Boston and they do another ride up on the Cape and there are a lot of uh, cyclists that are kind of like a little aggressive against the recumbents and the hand cycles because you know, our, our riders are tenderly going like six to eight miles an hour because it's a leisurely ride and they're new to it. So a road cyclist that's going 22 miles an hour, um, in the past, they haven't been so kind and open. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just like screaming on your left and like, you know, things like that. I have seen it turn around to, to there's more positives than negatives. Um, but I want to erase all the negatives eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say just awareness. Um, there are so many people that I show the bikes or talk to about the bikes that say, I had no idea this existed. Let me get on it. Um, you know, in, in the world of Amazon, people want everything instant and, you know, they, they probably want to get it from an app. Um, and we're not there yet. But, um, you know, I think um, just going around and, and demoing the products and spreading awareness um, is the key. Um, because there's always a way to get the bike, whether it's through, um, you know, uh, funding or some even crowdfunding um, or, or searching online for a used one until, you know, one pops up in your budget. Um, adaptive cycling is 100% a game changer for so many people um, and so many different types of people. So I just wish there was more awareness, but there certainly are. Um, I'd love to tell one quick story. Please, do yeah. Have... You do have time. Okay. Um, so when I was uh, just a little kid, um, I remember I have this very vivid memory. We went to a, a hand cycle clinic at a summer camp in Newport, Rhode Island called Shake a Leg. And um, I had a lot of fun there. Um, there were people, uh, there were kids there close to my age, and they were trying hand cycles for the first time. Um, and it was a blast. And on the way home, I remember driving across the Newport Bridge and saying to my mom, mom, uh, can we go back next week? And she looked at me and she said, um, well, Dan, this camp doesn't happen again until next year. And I said, well, what do you mean? Um, 
they don't get to hang out with their friends and until next year. And, you know, uh, I think that was the end of it. Um, and, you know, I went back next year and had a great time, but now, um, I, I look online and there are new adaptive sports programs and rides and accessibility events popping up every single day. Um, so, you know, kind of counter to what I said, we're not on everyone's radar yet. It's, it's really, th this world is accelerating at a rapid pace and it's because of people like everyone on the call, you know, Kyle, Eric, Caitlin, and even the two of you, I can tell that you're super interested in what we're we're talking about um we got a couple tears on 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 the podcast today and um but that's really what it's all about is is just kind of pushing the um pushing people's radars and, and getting more exposure for these bikes out there thank you so much yeah yeah um and eric what about you what's what's something that you wish more people knew not be intimidated right i guess the type whether you want to ride on mountain roads like I do, or, you know, a golf course, bike path, whatever, you know, there's a different type of bike and there's different adaptations that we can make it work for, for anyone. It's not as hard as it looks, I guess. <laughs> it's not as scary as. Awesome. Well, thank you guys all so much for your time. Um, yes. We will put links to all the things we talked about in the show notes. Um, but before we go, um, where can folks find you if they want to look up more themselves? Is um, Your website is bike-on.com, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. And where do they find you on social media? Instagram is bikeon.com, spelled out, bikeon, D-O-T-C-O-M. Um, and I believe our Facebook page is just, um, slash bike on. Awesome. Well, Hey and guys, search for bike on.com on Swift. Oh yeah. yeah and search go. for bike on.com on Swift. Um, I think you're going to get a few, a few new folks attending your, your weekly rides. Mm -hmm. Um, I myself will definitely try and join one. Um, yeah. but thank you so much for joining. Um, and that is all for this week's episode of the podcast. Make sure you leave us a rating, like subscribe, follow, whatever it is. Um, and tell your friends about us. Heck yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening.